Pat Barrett with Build My Life on Victory 91.5. Hey, this is Keith and our general manager, Ray Haynes, in studio as he's been teaching since this morning. Lots of information, lots of knowledge, <laughs> a different perspective. And, and, and I'm sure many are thinking things have gotten a little chaotic or out of control. And it's probably not just because the kids are at home or maybe it is, but right. it's certainly not helping. huh? But you left us off with talking about being out of control, out of control. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, that's the one thing you've mm-hmm. got to be. You've got to be out of control because there is only one God, and you better believe if he's going to come into your life, he's going to be in control. Amen. And that is why this constant battle, this constant fight, this constant temptation. And one of the things we did this year or this for this Pentecost is going back the first two-thirds of this teaching, actually go and look at end times and this uh, possible glimpse that we've been getting in this pandemic of these four horsemen. It is not the end times, I promise you that. I, well, I believe it's not. Nobody can really know these things, but I don't believe we're in that, that close to the, and if it was a great tribulation, we were just the beginning of that. But I think that's still some years away. But I do believe, just like in World War II and World War II, we've been seeing a glimpse. And so I go back and we start with Purim and go to Passover, second Passover, and then we wrap up here at the fourth feast, which is Pentecost. And we began to look and see what it lo- would look like if the fourth horse rode out and the seals. And, and we got all that done earlier this morning, and now we're just going through actual Pentecost and what that means, how you can engage and encounter this day of Pentecost, which is for some, because there's three ways to look at it. You have it's the Feast of Weeks, if you just want English, Shavuot, if you want Hebrew, or Pentecost, which is a Greek word that simply means 50 because you count 50 days from the the resurrection day all the way to Pentecost. So uh, that's why some people will be celebrating it tonight, tomorrow night, or on Sunday, or all three. Either all are good, but if if it is as I believe God was saying to me, I believe we're about to see many of the things of that fourth horseman, a small glimpse of that, certainly not that degree, uh, beginning. So I don't think that we're out of the woods of what's come, but I just so, so think it's important the reason i've taken so much time to share this was because as christians we cannot live either quarantined or in fear or uh not gathering together that if we are going to change the world we've got to change the world and so i wanted to share all of this and kind of give you that perspective so that's all that first part so but we're now to the part where how do you get out of control well that's a big one (laughs) was the baptism of the holy spirit an event in history absolutely Has it continued to happen even to our current day? Absolutely. Is it a one-time occurrence or a constant refilling? Well, of course, it is definitely a one-time filling up, but more is always available. That's the best part. In a very practical sense, we count down the 50 days to Pentecost because 2,000 years ago was not a one-time experience for the disciples, but rather the first experience of a constant refilling of the Spirit. So as we arrive at Pentecost, let's seek together to encounter the baptism of the Holy Spirit for those who never have, and ask for even more of that very wonderful manifest presence of Jesus for those who have encountered the baptism but are still longing for more of His touch. Now, if your particular church upbringing has left you rather confused or even hesitant about the possibilities of such encounters and experiences in our day, because there are many, many churches that teach, nope, it doesn't happen anymore. Listen to Jesus describe what the average Christian life would look like just before he ascended. And these signs will follow those who believe. 
There's no timeline on that, is there? In my day, they will, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Notice there's a whole lot of power going on in there. And that's what we're supposed to look like. Earlier in Mark 16, we can see why they needed a significant encounter. When the women first came to the tomb after the resurrection and encountered an angel, they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Then when Mary Magdalene finally gained the courage to tell the apostles, they did not believe. That's what the scripture says. When the two disciples walked with Jesus on the road and shared their story, they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Obviously, Jesus doesn't want any of us to repeat the mistakes of the apostles or fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 28, which says, Whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? For with stammering lips and another tongue, he'll speak to this people to whom he said... (coughs) This is the rest for which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So there's this constant warning over and over in scriptures. What happens when we just don't want to do what we're told? Forty years ago, on the second Friday of August in 1980, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was utterly shocked that other languages, which I didn't understand or speak, were suddenly pouring out of my mouth. It is a little shocking. A moment before, I'd been standing in a field worshiping in the only language I'd ever spoken, English. I'd never heard anyone speak in tongues before or even heard anyone teach on it. The Holy Spirit massively changed my life in much the same way Jesus had the year before when I gave my life to him and I got saved. So that was exactly 40 years ago this August. Hmm. How to catch the wind. John 3 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Hebrew word for wind or breath is ruach. It's also the word for spirit. Obviously, we can't dictate the moving of the wind or the spirit. Thankfully, we don't have to catch the wind to be filled with the spirit. I've known many people who have earnestly sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit but still haven't received. Some went away bitter. Some went away offended. Some stopped seeking and plunged into denial, declaring that they'd received the baptism when they were saved and no tongues were required. Forget that. Sadly, I also know of teachers who claim to be filled with the Spirit and intentionally deceived other seekers into mumbling repetitious phrases and declared, oh my goodness, just uh, it was a move of the Spirit, and it wasn't, obviously. Striving in the flesh for a move of God is agonizing. So is screaming at the wind to blow where we want it to blow. Micah 6, 8 says, Has he shown you, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, Walk humbly with your God. We need to be much more like a windmill, which is designed to be propelled by the wind, no matter which direction it's blowing, in order to generate power. If we want to be filled, then we need to be sensitive to which way he's blowing. And then we'll not only be filled, but empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his will. It says in Psalm 104, you make your messengers into winds of the Spirit, and all your ministers become flames of fire. In Luke 15, Then Jesus said to me, suppose you have a friend, you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I've got no food to offer him. Suppose one inside answers, don't bother me. Door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. 
Well, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, <laughs> yet because of your shameless audacity, I love that word, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So could you ask for a simpler answer than that? What does he, God want us to do? He wants us to ask. And because you're counting the Omer, counting the days for 50 days, you should know that sometimes it's immediate. Other times you have to wait and linger and have confidence that it will come. However that works, you still have to do it however God's going to do it in you. Coming up, suppose you didn't. Suppose you just got right into ministry. What gifts do you have if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if there's no speaking in tongues? Do you have gifts from God? Well, obviously you do. So what are they? We'll look at that and wrap this whole discussion up next. More to come. Make sure you go to blog.victory.radio to get all of the notes from today's teaching, Pentecost, and the Pale Horse. Stout Irrigation and Landscape.